guys are a little quiet today. Usually you all greet each other for like two minutes. Why don't we welcome those who are watching online. Give it up for those right now. Maybe they're from a distance. Can it be with us? Maybe they're sick. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Couple quick announcements before we jump in. We are in 21 days of prayer, and I want to remind you that there are two more prayer gatherings in person Tuesday, September 5th. That's coming up this Tuesday. And the following Wednesday, we are praying together corporately in person here at the building. I know a lot of y'all, you're working, you can't be there. Maybe take that lunch break to fast, take some time with the Lord. If you can be with us in person, we would love for you to join us. But we are in a series called priorities and that's where 21 days of prayer and this series connects priorities why don't you turn to your neighbor and ask him this morning have you checked your priorities this week ask somebody else have you checked them we are going to be this morning in the book of second corinthians 2 Corinthians. Now, just to give some context, Paul the Apostle is writing to the church of Corinth. Corinth would be like the modern-day Las Vegas. They'd be like Sin City. There was a lot of division. There was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of sexual impurity. There was some craziness breaking out there. But in this passage of Scripture, Paul actually comes to them, and he actually encourages them. He thanks them for the giving that he's already seen, the spiritual giving material giving that they've given to the kingdom of God. And then he encourages them and he reminds them to keep on keeping on, to even take it up to a whole new level. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. It'll be up on the screen. There is no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people. He's encouraging them. For I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting actually about it. I've been telling other people to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia, we're ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Verse 3, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this manner should not be proven hollow. He's basically saying, hey, I've been bragging about you. I want to make sure that this isn't just like a one-time thing, but you keep on keeping on. Verse 4, for if any of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to say anything about you would be ashamed of having been so confident. Verse 5, so I thought it would be necessary to urge the brothers and sisters to visit you, to remind you in advance, and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Verse 6, remember this. You might have heard this passage before. Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you what? Somebody say abundantly. Abundantly. That is the God that we serve. The God that is able to do greater than you could ever ask of, dream of, or imagine. Do you believe that this morning? That he could blow your wildest dreams, your wildest plans to shame. He's a big God. So that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, Psalm 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. You will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. They've let go. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Last verse, you will be enriched in every way. Somebody say every way. God is in the details of every part of your life. Not just your relationships, not just your finances, not just your job. He's in every little detail of your life if you give him room. To be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord this morning. I'm excited to unpack it with you. Here's the title of the message this morning. Hilarious Trust. I don't know where y'all are coming from this morning. Maybe this morning you're doing well financially. Maybe this morning you're saying, Andy, honestly, it's crazy you're talking about finances because I was praying for God to show up this week in my bank account. I don't know how I'm going to get to the next. I don't know where you're at, but I think at one point, maybe it was 10 years ago for you, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was this morning or last week. When we look at our finances, we look at our bank accounts, sometimes we, we have this moment right here. Okay? You ever had that nervous laugh where you look at something and you're like so nervous, so worried, you start laughing? And then you're even more worried that you're laughing. And somebody else is like, why are you laughing? I don't know. I'm so worried. I'm so anxious. I am so, let's just be honest. Raise your hands. If there's any hand down, you are lying. Okay. I have been there. I remember my wife and I, when we first got married, we were just like, okay, hey, I'm going to be living as a pastor. You're going to be a stay-at-home mom. So we got to figure some things out, right? And you have that nervous laugh moment. And then you realize that God is Faithful. Here's the first point that I want to share with you all this morning, though, on a serious note. What's kept from God will keep your peace. Whatever's not surrendered to God ends up holding power over your peace. Trust and peace. Somebody said trust. Trust and peace go hand in hand. I want to illustrate this to you. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, your what? Your heart will be also, look at what he says later on in chapter 6, as we talked about two weeks ago. But seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The context of this passage is Jesus is basically saying, I know you're worried about a lot of things. Maybe you are in your seat today, you are with us online, and you, you already know you are worried about many things. But he says, seek first the kingdom. And don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of itself. He is the God of abundance. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God that can take care of every single one of your needs, no matter how small you think it is. God cares about you. He knows you by name. Honestly, the way that my walk with Jesus has taken off is when I began to realize that God was in the details of my life. That he's not just the God that we pray to at dinner and say, Lord, would you please bless this food in my body and look after us this week. He's the God that's in the detail of every conversation you have. He's the God in every little detail and worry and care and concern that you have. First Peter 5 tells us, cast those cares to the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. He sees you this morning. Be encouraged. Your Father in heaven sees you. He knows you. He knows your situation. He is not removed from it. He is very much involved in your life. Do you believe that? Don't worry about tomorrow. See, I want to just share with you this progression. You need to know that what holds your heart will actually hold your trust, and what holds your trust will hold your peace. Jesus tells us, peace I leave to you, peace I've freely given to you, but you have to realize that 
our trust and our peace go hand in hand. That if we're trusting in the wrong thing to be our God, we won't experience the peace that God has promised us. That if a relationship is the king of our life, the queen of our life, we're not going to experience the peace that Jesus offers us. This peace actually follows with us being fully surrendered to God. Saying, Lord, I don't want you to just be savior of my life. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be first in every area of my life. And I told you a couple weeks ago that I wanted to take this series and ask the question, how do I prioritize Christ in every part of my life? Every single part. Look at what Matthew 6.24 says. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Have you ever noticed that when you go to a game, for example, and you are so pumped about your team winning, okay? And you are like, man, you might even be the person that has the face paint on. Can we just like shout out? Okay, maybe that's just too much. I see Brian back there going, yup, yup, Cowboys, okay? And you put all your stock that week into their, them winning the game. And you, like, have the stats memorized. You go to the game. You're like, okay, I know. Like, I, I paid money for this. I invested in this. And then they lose. You end up, like, low-key hating your team for two days, okay? Let's just be honest. Why? Because you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I know that's a cheesy example, and I want to go a little bit deeper. But look at what David Guzik says. He says, the way we spend our money actually shows the purposes of our own heart more accurately than our words do. And that's convicting. That's convicting to read for me. I'm right there with you. And I know when, when, when we come to church, you might be saying, Andy, like, I'm surrendered to Jesus. I've already said the sinner's prayer. I've, I've gotten baptized, Andy. Like, okay. But I want to just point out that in 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus shared, 11 of the 39, that's over a fourth, that's 28%, he talked about money. Here's the truth. If Jesus does not have your wallet, he does not have your heart. Some of us this morning, and I love you too much to not share this with you, we think we are fully surrendered to God and we're not. If Jesus does not have lordship over the way that we spend our money, he is not Lord at all. He's Lord over all or Lord not at all. And I want to just share this. As uh, we talk about giving, I want to just share with you, I'm not announcing a big campaign. We're not going to have a big moment at the end where I unveil some massive plan to you. Actually, when I was praying about this message, I felt like the Lord said, they need this more than the church does. Meaning, as a church, we're doing fine financially. Praise God. And shout out to y'all for your generosity already. I've seen that time and time again. But here's the truth. You ready for this? Discipleship without stewardship is incomplete. That I would be doing you a disservice if we've talked about relationships, if we've talked about staying pure, if we've talked about coming to church and worshiping and spending time in the secret place, and we don't talk about stewardship, it would be incomplete. Why? Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So here's where we need to make the first shift this morning. I don't want to talk at you. I want to teach you this morning. I want to encourage you and help empower you. So here's where we need to first shift. We need to shift from mine to God's. James chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift, where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. 
Look at what Timothy says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says this in verse 7. For we bought nothing. Somebody say nothing. We brought nothing into this world, and you're not going to take anything out of it. Except your relationship with Christ and other people with you. The real harvest at the end of the day is people. So I want to encourage you. I want to actually biblically unpack this for you because there's a lot of different opinions on this today. And a lot of people would actually take the, the text that I'm talking about today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and they would say, see, it says God says I just decide in my own heart what to give. I can kind of just do whatever I want. Like we're in the New Testament, y'all. But when I look at the New Testament, what's so interesting is it always raises the bar. You see that? Jesus says, you've heard it said X, Y, and Z, but I say that if you look upon a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. The New Testament raises the bar, actually. So here's the second point. If you're taking notes, if you are sitting here saying, Andy, I want to know how to give to God's kingdom, but I don't even know where to start. I don't know what's expected of me. I don't know. That's okay. Here's point number two, giving 10%. Biblically, you see this all throughout scripture. 10% is the floor, not the ceiling. It's the baseline level. As you look through all the Old Testament, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. It says this, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? You ask, how are we robbing you, God, in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And now you need to know the context of this. You know in scripture, it says, do not put the Lord God to the to the test. But in this scripture, they are saying, test the Lord. Test him. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What does it say? Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. You need to know that the context of this word, tithe, in Hebrew, literally just means tenth. One tenth. The first fruit. And I want to share this really important detail, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, coming back to the main text that we were looking at. Yet each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, again, that would be often taken out of context as I shared. But don't give under compulsion or reluctantly because someone forced you. We share this at the end of every single service. Discipleship so important. We, we say this. We say we don't pass a plate here at One Church, but if you feel led to give, we share that every Sunday we try to because we don't want you to give your life to Jesus because someone else is watching you, making sure you do that. Now, this is between you and the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? This isn't for me. This isn't for someone else to say, oh, my gosh, look at what they're doing. This is in the secret place. God knows the secrets of our heart. This is between you and him because ultimately he will be the one to judge us, not people. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Give what you have decided in your heart to give. But you need to know that in most contexts of the New Testament, they have an Old Testament framework to understand that 10% was the floor, not the ceiling. That this passage, as I've studied it, as I've looked into it, they're talking about going above and beyond. They're not talking about just the tithes. They're talking about the offerings. They're saying, thank you for going even above and beyond. We are shouting you out to all these other churches, and they've been inspired to not just do the base level. Here, here, let me just say it this way. If you are 
in your walk with Jesus, asking him, what is the least that you expect of me? You're asking the wrong question. Are you with me? If we're truly in love with Jesus, Jesus is Lord and Savior, we're asking, Lord, how much more can I give to you? How much more can I serve? How much more can I bless? So here's biblical tithing. I'm trying to be so specific with you all this morning. Biblical tithing, 10% of your combined gross income. This is before taxes. This is saying, God, you get my first. You get my first. No one else, you get my first. And we share this at one church all the time. We say, you're not giving to one church. You're giving through us. We're just a vehicle. We're doing just fine. This is a discipleship principle for your heart this morning. This is not for us. This is not for a campaign. This is between you and the Lord to say, Lord, are you Lord over every area of my life or just some of my life? So look at what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23. Many people believe that this is Jesus upholding the tithe. He rebukes the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. You give a tenth of your time to sports, media, fashion, whatever that may be at the time. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You have, should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus upheld the tithe. So here's where we need to move this morning to make it practical. Maybe you're in your seat today and you're feeling the conviction of the Lord and you're saying, okay, honestly, Andy, I might be right, I might be right here, stingy and wasteful. That you're saying, Andy, I'm not going to give anything to the Lord. I've worked hard for this. This is mine. You know, J.G. Wentworth, 877 Cash Now. What, what, how does it go? It's my money, and I need it now, okay? We're going to shift away from J.G. Wentworth this morning. We're going to move away from that, and we're going to go to, okay, maybe you're right here, frugal but stingy. You, you, you save really well. You count every penny, but you are never going to pay for someone else's meal. Maybe you are right here, generous and wasteful. This is my temptation. I'm naturally, I think the Lord just wired me to be generous. Let's do it. Let's give it away. I trust you, God. And sometimes I'm convicted that I could be wasteful. But here's where we need to be, frugal and generous. I think as you look at what's happening after church throughout the week, and, and you see what people think about the church. I think the most bitter taste people have in their mouth of the church is right here, Sunday afternoons from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Why? Because most waiters and waitresses know it's the Christians that are coming out to eat, and they've experienced so many times of them not being generous. If John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, he what? He gave. Somebody say, he gave. He gave, but you won't even tip 20%. Let alone you're, you're, you're actually dissecting every single time that they didn't bring you the Diet Coke on time. They're getting 11%. Y'all, we need to be rebuked. I'm, I'm for real. Here's, here's the truth. Evangelism shares the gospel, but generosity shows the gospel to people. Oh, you talk about Jesus is Lord. Jesus, he died for my sins. Show me. The generosity that is living in your heart. The message of the gospel is a message of generosity. God so loved the world, he gave. He what? He gave. When we participate in giving, we are participating in the likeness of Christ with the Father. From Father to the, to the Son. 
to say, I give my life. I give this because it doesn't even belong to me. At the end of the day, I brought nothing into the world. I can take nothing out of it. So let me just share a practical principle with you this morning that we took on when we were planting the church, when 12 Stone and Ark and many other people were, 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 were coaching us, and we've seen blessing through this. We've seen abundance through this. This principle right here, save 10, give 10, and live on 80. You need to know this. This is just a celebratory moment for one church. Uh, not only am I excited that we're going to the YMCA in whatever, 15, 16 months, but I'm excited that we don't have to pay to build a building. Why? Can we just shout out the Lord for that? Come on. Why am I so excited about that? Because we decided as a church very early on that 10% of our budget, we're going to do everything possible to go straight towards missions. And when we go to the YMCA, we don't have to pay for a multi-million dollar building. We get to reinvest that to say, Lord, we're going to give this away locally, nationally, and globally. Can I tell you, that gets my heart excited to see more people won to Jesus, to see the lost found, to see the slaves set free. So I want to encourage you with this. In 2022, this is a celebration to even shout out you guys like Paul was telling the Church of Corinth. In 2022, we gave $7,000 towards missions. In 2023, so far, in September, look at the number that's already been given. Can we praise the Lord for that? I've got chills tripled already because of your generosity. I want to take a moment and I want to actually just share what is, what is happening when you give. There's, there's three lanes. There's local, there's national, and there's global for specifically missions. This year we got to give a lot away already to benevolence, people that have been out of a job, people that have been in need for groceries, for Kroger gift cards. I mean, I could tell you story after story of how God has showed up in that. Nationally, we got to give actually a... a free gift to the sanctuary church. They are launching their church. You remember the sanctuary? They're launching September 24th. That was amazing. And then globally, we support missionaries in the Czech and in Hungary. But we are adding another missionary that I want to share with you all. And this is going to be a national missionary. I'm sure it's going to go global even beyond that. But this man that you're about to see on the video, he came and preached at one church a few weeks ago, several weeks ago. And he raises his own support to do what he's doing. He's not in a traditional church setting where you can, you, you can expect a certain salary to, to go from there. He is raising his support, living in faith with his wife and his son. Watch this video. One Church family, what is good? What's going on, y'all? This is Nobles Darby the Fourth checking in from Cleveland, Ohio. And I just wanted to drop in, man, and thank you guys so much, one, for the tremendous amount of love and support you all showed my family uh, when we came in May uh, to fellowship with you guys. Uh, my wife and I and Andy still talk about uh, that time, man, just being there with you all, the overwhelming love we just felt and received um, from you all in addition to the love you all showed our son. So thank you all so much for that. In addition, I want to thank uh, Andy and Lienza for just being awesome people having the hearts of shepherds and being willing to support our family and lock arms with us with the amazing things that God is doing in Cleveland, Ohio. As you all know, I serve currently as the co-chaplain for both the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Browns, and God is tremendously moving on the hearts of pro coaches and athletes in our city. Coaches and athletes are being discipled 
They're giving, they're getting opportunities to leverage their platforms and influence to share their faith. As a matter of fact, we recently did an event with uh, the Brown starting guard, Wyatt Taylor. We had over 200 people show up and Wyatt did a phenomenal job of sharing his testimony. And it's opportunities like this uh, that I'm excited about as we head into the fall season to see what God is going to do. Our youth uh, basketball league that's in partnership with the Cavs, Full Court Faith is going to be getting started soon. And there's a lot more fruit that I'll be excited to share with you all in the coming months. Uh, so I just want to leave you all with this. Paul says in Philippians 1, 3 through 6, every time he thinks of you, he thanks God. And uh, you all, every time I think of you guys, One Church, every time I think of Pastor Andy and his beautiful wife, Leanza, and their children, I thank God uh, because the scripture goes on to say you all partnered with us in the ministry um, in order to carry out the good news of Christ. So God bless you guys. I love you. Uh, my family and I say thank you for my wife, Hadassah, my son, Cinco. We love you guys. Can't wait to see you soon. And thanks so much for the tremendous love and support. God bless. Peace. Give it up for Nobles one time. I know you're going to see this, bro. We love you. He's living in faith. He's a traveling evangelist, and he's just going from locker room to locker room, just saying, Lord, here am I, send me. And his uh, wife actually um, had a job change, and she stayed at home, and, and God just put it on my heart to say, hey, we can come around as a church and say, we want to invest and make it even easier for what you're doing, to go be sent. So I'm so pumped about that. And I want to share this scripture again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. The service that you perform later on in this text is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also what? It's overflowing. Cast a wide net, church. Cast a wide net. God has blessed this body financially to say, who else can we free up to go be unleashed, to be sent, to go be the hands and the feet locally, nationally, and globally? But here's what you need to know. In the story, Jesus in the Gospels, there's this little boy, right, who has five loaves and two fish. And maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Andy, I only have a little bit to give. Andy, I'm a single mom, and I'm just trying to do my best to raise my kids. Andy, I'm, I'm just doing my best. We're newlyweds. Let me just encourage you with this phrase. God can multiply. He can multiply the fruit of our obedience. He can take the little that you have and make big impact for it. But you might be saying, no, no, Andy, you don't, you don't understand. Like, I, I, I'm single. I'm trying to save up. I, I, I just got engaged. I just, and here's where the devil gives us the excuse I've just seen time and time again. You ready for this? It's just not the right season. It's just not the right season for me to, to, to give, Andy. Like, if I were in a better situation it's when we're at our lowest, it's the best time to start. Because you are deciding in your heart between you and the Lord that when I have the least, Lord, I still have the most in you. That these decisions, I even believe, will be made today. Again, this is not for us. This is not for a big campaign. I believe today that people will make decisions to start giving 10% and up, and it's going to change the trajectory of your family for generations. I believe that. Not because of material gain, not because of wealth, but because of discipleship. But Andy, it's just, it's just not the right season. I, I love you all too much, and I want to share this with you. There is no season for our obedience to Christ. There's no season. It's 
3.65, Jesus, you are Lord, you are King, please. He knows what he's doing, y'all. He is the God of the universe, and he holds your life in the palm of his hand. He knows. He set up this system pre-blessed. There are certain decisions that we make biblically that are automatically just blessed because God's hand is already on it because it's just biblical. You're just deciding to say, I just want to live in accordance to the system that God set up. And guess what? There's freedom that comes from that. There's peace that comes from that. There's joy that comes from that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I want to read this passage again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Again, reading in the context that 10% is the floor, not the ceiling. This is the baseline understanding. So maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Andy, I'm retired. I'm, I'm unemployed. For whatever reason, there's no income coming. Let me just encourage you, pray about that today between you and the Lord to say, Lord, lay a number, lay a specific rhythm on my heart and I will go for it. Make that step today. I want to tell a funny story, and then I'd love to just close the message with y'all. I'm pretty passionate about jerseys, if you ever noticed that. Some of y'all are like, hey, you haven't worn a jersey in a long time. Like, maybe I should chill out on the jerseys, all right? But I have loved jerseys, NBA, NFL, you know, baseball since I was five. I actually just let Aliana wear my Reggie Miller jersey that was, like, from when I was five. It was, like, the cutest moment of my life. means a lot to me. means nothing to you, okay? But... Just for context, and I just share this story. Lord, I think this is okay to share. I'll just share this. I remember there was a season in my life where, actually in college, I just kept getting jersey after jersey after jersey. And I was just like, hey, I found this website. You could get jerseys really cheap. So that was like a big deal, okay? And I just kept getting them. And me and all my college buddies were just like so excited about it, okay? And then I felt a prompting. I can't remember what year it was where the Lord just started asking me to give some of them away. And I was like, Lord, these are my jerseys, though. You know I love these things. For context, what is that thing for you, right? If the Lord said, downsize your house. If the Lord said, sell your car. If, if, if the Lord said, pay for someone else's school bills. I don't know what that thing could be for you. But for me, it was giving up material things that were in my possession. And I kid you not, I don't believe in any weird karma or anything that's unbiblical, but I just know number three is this, you can't outgive God. And I started giving away some of those jerseys. And I kid you not, I had random people that I was friends with, and they would just be like, hey, man, I just had this extra jersey. I thought you would love this. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. Same time period, like within the same few weeks, I had a moment where I got to give someone a pair of shoes, and someone literally, as I was a youth pastor, they gave me a free pair of shoes, and I was just like, Lord, you are teaching me that I should be a river, not a lake. As I was talking to Phil Nettleton about this passage, I was like, Phil, I'm so nervous to preach on this. Like, you got to teach me and help me. He's preaching at Six Points Westland. Shout out to Phil this morning. We can clap for Phil. Get up for Phil. Come on. He's amazing. And he gave me this analogy. He said, what if when God gave to us, it was like sand going through our hands? Or you're like a river, not a lake. The the Lord knows not only does he love you, but he trusts you. Can the Lord trust you? Can you be faithful with little to entrust, to be entrusted with more? You cannot outgive God. He's too big. 
test him. And watch, 2 Corinthians 9 eight. And the God who is able to bless you, what? Abundantly, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at what Pastor Jimmy Rollins says. If you keep your hands open, he'll keep your hands full. Are your hands open this morning? Are they open? 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those, Paul tells Timothy, who are rich in this present world. Y'all, in Westfield, Hamilton County, this is one of the richest places ever in the history of the planet. We are living in that. Command those who are rich in the present world. I know y'all don't think you're rich, but compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. You are in the top one, two percentile of the entire planet, probably ever, just for context. So he's talking to us this morning. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It's a shaky foundation. But to put their hope in what? In God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Now, I just want to hang on this word, enjoyment. Because we read the first part of this passage, and it just comes across as a rebuke. Oh, my goodness. I better let go of my finances. But then you read the last word. Go back one slide. God, who loves us so much, let's just read this together to picture our heavenly father. He provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's your father. When I give a gift to Aliana, and and let me tell you, there are few things that give me more joy than seeing her blessed. When I give her a new toy, we have some sort of cocoa melon book that she just loves, right? And you see the joy on her face, here's what I want her to do first. Enjoy. That's your father's heart. First, he wants you to enjoy the blessings he has placed on your life. Every week we take a Sabbath as a family, Fridays. I know I'm not responding to y'all on Fridays. Please forgive me in advance. It's just because that's a part of the rhythm we have set up. But we take that day to enjoy. That's the one word, enjoy. Enjoy what God has blessed us with. Enjoy the good gifts he has bestowed on us. Our Father in heaven smiles down on you when he sees you enjoying what he's blessed you with. Do you believe that? But you got to hold that in one hand and say, Lord, whatever you have blessed me with cannot take hold of me. My hands are open. And it's this dance with the Lord where he's going to continue to bless. He's continuing to pour it out because he knows he can trust you. You are, yes, first blessed just because you are his child. But you need to know this. In Acts 20, 35, Paul quotes Jesus. And everything I did, he says, I showed you this by the kind of hard hard work that we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Luke is the one writing Acts. He says this, he quotes Jesus, it's more blessed to what? To give than receive. Giving is not just freedom, it's joy. That as much as I love my jerseys, as I love fashion and all that, the joy that I got knowing that someone else was going to share in that joy, it tops it all. You know that feeling. You know it because that's how God designed you. He wired you that way because we're wired in the likeness of Christ. We're wired in the likeness of the gospel. You were created to be an agent of blessing on blessing on blessing for others. Blessed to be a blessing. Would you stand to your feet this morning? See, the Lord gave me a word in 2021. 
And I've shared this with y'all before, that oftentimes the Lord will give me a word to start the year. And in 2021, one of the words that he gave me was absurd. I feel like God said, you're going to see so many things happen that, that your head would just be shaking. You'd be like, that's, that's absurd. 2022, one of the words he gave me was impossible. And, and I saw that come to fruition. In 2023, the word that I felt like he specifically gave me and our family, and honestly, even our church, is this word asinine. That it would be so foolish, almost laughable, at how much God blows you away. I want to come back to the passage one last time, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Turn your neighbor to something. It's a cheerful giver. you got to know this before we leave. Now, when we go to the Greek word of what cheerful is, look at what it means. That, that's the Greek word for cheerful, hilarious. Now, we know the English root word is hilarious. Look at what Proverbs 31.25 says. Now, obviously, it's talking about specifically a woman in this passage. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can what? Laugh at the days to come. And here's where I want to end this question. When is the last time you trusted God so much that you laughed at the future to come? And you're all laughing now. When you have so much trust in God that you can look to the future and say, Lord, if you did it in that way in 2020 when I did not expect you to, and you told me you would even do greater things in 2021 and even further out, and it would literally make me step back and laugh to realize you are king and I'm not. When is the last time that you could look to your finances, your future, your family and say, I am so surrendered to the Lord that I could even laugh because what's mine is actually his. And I don't have anything to worry about. If I've already given all to him, I have zero worries. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the joy that's even filling our congregation today to say, if you are for us, Lord, who could be against us? If you are with us, what could we ever have to worry about? And right now, there might be someone saying, Andy, I, I heard the gospel today that the Lord gave his one and only son for me, and I want to make him Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe there's someone this morning that just says, Andy, I'm one foot in and one foot out for God, but today I am giving everything to him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you sense in your spirit this morning, whether you have been a believer a long time or this is the first time you're making this, you know you need to surrender wholeheartedly to God. Just raise your hand this morning. This is not for me. This is between you and the Lord. If you're just convicted saying, Andy, I know my priorities are not in right order. Lord, I, I pray that if you gave us the example that we could give our lives to you and laugh at the days to come. Lord, fill these people that are making that decision with laughter, with joy, with peace, God. Just repeat this prayer in your heart after me this morning. Father, you can say it out loud with me. Wherever you're at across the room, let's just say it all together. Father, forgive me for my idols. I make you king today. 
I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I thank you for your grace. Fill me like a river to overflow to bless others. And it's in Jesus' name everyone said, amen and amen. We're going to end today with taking communion. And some of y'all are like, can we open the communion today? It's the same packages, so you can hate me later, all right? I love y'all. We'll get new ones, I promise. But this is a moment as those who are serving communion are coming up to serve. This is a moment where we pause and remember the gospel that God our Father freely gave his one and only son. Know this, there is nothing you could do to earn his approval this morning. As convicted, as challenged as you may be, just know that the requirements of coming to the table today is the blood of Jesus on your life and a heart that's just open. Remember that the bread represents his body that was given to us. The blood of Christ represents the juice that we will partake. And so, Father, we pray over communion. Lord, we pray that you would bless it, that as we come to the table today, we would encounter your love and your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name everyone said amen and amen. You can come through the outside of your rows, come back through the middle, have a seat, and you can partake with your family, with your loved ones here today.